0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Forgotten Hollywood with Doug Hess here on JLJ Media. Forgotten Hollywood, your podcast and memories of yesteryear. My name is Doug Hess, and if you're tuning in to Forgotten Hollywood for the first time, what I do on this podcast is take you on a journey back in time and share with you pieces of Hollywood that you may or may not have known about. And in this episode, we are going to be discussing our theme of the month for the month of April, which I thought would be kind of neat since we're in April, getting ready to soon be going into May, would be um, April showers bring uh, May flowers. And so I thought I would focus on a movie that focuses on rain, and I picked Singing in the Rain. Now, what I'm going to really do for this episode is rely very, very heavily on trivia. So I thought it would be kind of fun to talk about some trivia with Singing in the Rain. And I was not disappointed when it came to my research because there is a ton of information or trivia that I think... You will find as interesting as I did. So we will start off here in just a second with a quick synopsis of Singing in the Rain. But we're going to spend 99% of the time focusing on trivia, fun facts regarding the movie Singing in the Rain. You can find out more regarding Forgotten Hollywood and find additional episodes on our Facebook page, Forgotten Hollywood. Or follow me on Twitter or Instagram at HessDoug14. Again, that's HessDoug14 for Twitter and Instagram. Or find us on our Facebook page, Forgotten Hollywood. So, without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump right in and talk about Singing in the Rain. Starring uh, Gene Kelly, Donald O'Connor, and uh, Debbie Reynolds. So, a quick synopsis of the movie. It takes place during the rise of the talkies. We meet Don Lockwood and Lena Lamont who have been um, risen to stardom during the silent film era of Hollywood. Beautiful, charismatic, or charismatic, and influential, the two combine to make a great on-screen pair. The introduction of talking uh, pictures posed a threat to the powerful duo. However, when it is discovered by the audience that Lena has an extremely shrill voice, We enter in young studio singer Kathy Selden, a woman who likes the stardom of Miss Lamont, but poses a beautiful voice of which Alina is in dire need of. So can Don and Alina find a solution to Alina's laughable, annoying voice to salvage their careers? So a quick synopsis of the movie Singing in the Rain. Now let's really focus on, like I said, there was a ton of trivia that I hope that uh, you find as interesting as I do, and we're going going—we're not going to unfortunately be able to talk about every single piece of uh, trivia that I found, but we're going to be hitting a lot of the highlights, and like I said, I hope you enjoy it as much as, as I did doing the research. So, let's go ahead and get started here. For the Make em Laugh number, Gene Kelly asked Donald O'Connor to revive a trick he had done as a young dancer running up a wall and completing a somersault. The number was so physically taxing that O'Connor, who smoked four packs of cigarettes a day at the time, ended up in the hospital bed for a week after the, with complications. He suffered from exhaustion and painful carpet burns. Unfortunately, an accident ruined all of the initial footage, so after a brief rest, O'Connor agreed to do the difficult number all over again. Debbie Reynolds remarked many years later that making this movie and surviving childbirth were the two hardest things that she had ever done. The filming experience was particularly unpleasant due to her harsh treatment by the perfectionist Gene Kelly. Decades later, Kelly expressed remorse about his behavior. I wasn't nice to Debbie. It was a wonder she still speaks to me, end quote uh, from Gene Kelly. Uh, Gene Kelly was a taskmaster with Debbie Reynolds who had never danced to this degree before rehearsal started. Fred Astaire was in an adjacent dance studio, found her crying under a piano, and assured her that all of her hard work was worth the effort. A microphone was hidden in Debbie Reynolds' blouse, so her lines could be heard more clearly. During one of the dance numbers, her heartbeat can be heard, uh, mirroring what happens to Lena Lamert in the movie itself. Donald Carter... Uh, said uh, that when he was smoking four packs a day and getting up those walls was murder. They had to bank one wall so he could just make it up and through another wall. We filmed the whole sequence in one day. We did it on a concrete floor. My body had to absorb these tremendous shocks. Things were building to such a creed that though I had I thought I'd have to commit suicide for the ending, I came back to the set three days later. All the gripes... Applauded. Gene Kelly applauded. Told me what a great number it was. Then Gene said, "Do you think you have it uh, in you to do one more?" I said, "Sure, anytime." He said, "Well, we're going to have to do it again tomorrow." No one had checked the camera. The uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, had checked the camera. They fogged out all the film, so the next day they had to do it again. And by the end, uh, Donald's feet and ankles were a mass of bruises. Uh, only 19 when the cast, uh, when she was cast to play the film, Debbie Reynolds lived with her parents and commuted to the set. She had to wake up at 4 a.m., ride three different buses to the studio. Sometimes to avoid the commute, she just slept on the sl- uh, set. After they finished the Good Morning Number, Debbie Reynolds had to be carried to her dressing room because she had uh, burst some blood vessels in her feet. Despite her hard work, Gene Kelly ultimately decided to dub the sound of her feet. Donna O'Connor and Debbie Reynolds admitted that they did not enjoy working with Gene Kelly. Since Kelly was verbally belittling and a tyrant, O'Connor said that for the first several weeks he was terrified of making a mistake and being yelled at by Kelly. Debbie Reynolds later said that she learned a lot from Gene Kelly. He is a perfectionist and a disciplinarian, the most exciting director I ever worked for, and he has a good and he has a good temper. Ever so often, he would yell at me and make me cry. But it took a lot of patience for him to work with somebody who had never danced before. It's amazing that I could keep up with him and Donald O'Connor. Kelly later com- commented on her work. Fortunately, Debbie was as strong as an ox. She was a great copyist and she could pick up the most complicated routines without too much difficulty. At the University of Hard Work and Pain. The original negative of the film was destroyed by a fire. The script was written after the songs, and so the writers had to generate a plot into which the songs would fit. Uh, The screenwriters bought a house in Hollywood from a former silent film star who lost his wealth when the uh, Innovation of Sound film killed his career. This was part of the inspiration for the film. Debbie Reynolds had no professional professional dancing experience. She pointed this out when she was asked to be in the film. Gene Kelly decided he could teach her as he had done with Frank Sinatra for Anchors Away in 1945. Reynolds had to um, excuse me had been a gymnast, so she wasn't unfamiliar with physical movement requiring grace and stigma. Even though a tumbler, she buckled down and rehearsed day and night until she could share a dance floor with Kelly and Donald O'Connor. In the Broadway Ballot sequel, was originally to have featured Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor, but the latter was forced to leave because of a prior TV commitment. So, Sid Charisse was tapped to replace him. She was made to look like Louis, Louise Brooks and had to diet off the extra pounds she had just gained during her recent pregnancy. Charisse, a ballet dancer, who had never before worked in hills had to adjust her dancing style considerably to mesh with Kelly's jazz background. Uh, The Broadway Ballet sequel took a month to rehearse, two weeks to shoot, and cost $600,000, almost a fifth of the overall budget of the film. According to supplemental information on the DVD, the first time they tried to film Singing in the Rain sequence, They shot it in late afternoon. Unfortunately, the homeowners in the area had just come home from work and had turned on the lawn sprinkler so there was not enough water pressure for the rain to work. They finally filmed the sequence the next day early enough so that everybody was at work and the water pressure was adequate for the shot. Uh, because they knew that excuse me, because he knew that she, uh, her crime could or would hold up filming, Gene Kelly used Donald O'Connor as his whipping boy when he was frustrated with Debbie Reynolds. Kelly knew O'Connor could take the tongue lashing uh, and he really wanted to lay into Reynolds, who was only 19 at the time. The fact was revealed to Reynolds by O'Connor years later. The last shot of Good Morning Number with Don, Kathy, and Cosmo falling over the couch took 40 takes to shoot. Studio technicians had to cover two outdoor city blocks on the back lot with tarps to make them dark for a night scene and then equip them with overhead uh, sprays for Gene Kelly to perform the title number. Their efforts are all the more remarkable since there was a severe water shortage in Culver City the day of the sequence was shot. Ironically, with the way uh, it was then lit, the, uh, for decades many people thought that the number was actually shot inside in a street set built inside of one of MGN's vast sound stages. Uh, this was Gene Kelly's trump card to get out of his contract with MGM. He later uh, stated that he was angry that MGM had r- repeatedly prevented him from accepting lead roles in other films, such as Guys and Dolls, in 1955. Kelly's extreme hostility attitude throughout the film of Singing in the Rain in 1952 resulted in MGM releasing him from his contract. Uh, most of the characters are based on actual uh, individuals or actual people. This was the seventh time the song Singing in the Rain was used in a big screen. Costume designer Walter Puckett uh, said that this was the most work he ever did on a film, including Gone with the Wind from 1939. Both films were period, period pieces, but this one required a great number of elaborate, detailed costumes rather than what you saw in Gone with the Wind. They had to be more accurate, too, since the 1952 audience remember Hollywood of the late 1920s more clearly than the 1939 audience remember the Civil War. All told, Puckett designed about uh, 500 costumes. Okay, um, Zelda Xanders, the Zip Girl, is based on Clara Bow, the It Girl. Uh, Sid, uh, Charisse is, uh, said that the long veil she wore during the Broadway ballot sequence caught enough breeze from the fan that, that it pulled, uh, almost, that the pull almost caused her to lose her balance during some of her steps. And remember, she was in high heels. Uh, the film rang a total or a final price tag of a little over 2.5 million, 157,000 of which went to Waterpocket's campaign, or excuse me, costumes alone. Although the final price overshot MGA's budget uh, by about 665,000, the studi- studio quickly realized the wisdom of the investment when the f- film returned a 7.7 million dollar profit upon its initial initial release. In 2007, the American Film Institute ranked this as the number five greatest movie of all time. Um, before this film, uh, Sid Charisse had appeared in films as a dance specialist or a supporting player since her arrival at MGM in 1944. Her performance as Lewis Brooks-like vamp in the Broadway Ballot um, was so touching that producer-author uh, Freed was moved to evaluate her to a star status. Her next film was The Band, Wagon 1953, starring Fred Astaire. Working days on this film uh, would stretch out to be some 19 hours a day. Um, <clears throat> Gene Kelly choreographed his dance scenes with... Uh, Sid Charisse to hide the fact that she was taller than he was. To keep the height difference from being obvious, Kelly staged the routine so that the two were rarely upright when standing next to each other, always bending toward or away from one another instead. And Sid um, Charisse had to be taught how to smoke a cigarette for the uh, Broadway ballet Sequel, she stated that she never smoked another cigarette after that. Gene Kelly was suffering from a temperature of 103 when filming the, the famous title number, Singing in the Rain. Um, the Make 'em Last sequels was created because Gene Kelly felt that Donald O'Connor needed a solo number, as Connor O'Connor noted in interview interview. Gene didn't have a clue as to the kind of number it was meant to be. The two of them brainstormed ideas in the rehearsal room and came up with uh, gags and sticks that O'Connor had done for years. And O'Connor recalled, Every time I got a new idea or remembered something that had worked well in the past, Gene wrote it down, and bit by bit, the entire number was constructed. Um, After finishing... Filming the make em laugh dance sequence, uh, Donald O'Connor found the effort so taxing that he went to bed for three days. For the dream sequ- uh, seg- segment within the Broadwell uh, ballet sequel, Gene Kelly choreographed a scarf dance using an enormous 50-foot veil of white china silk attached to Sid Cherie's costume. Um, <clears throat> what I thought was kind of interesting was uh, regarding some of the costumes for the film. Most of the film uh, costume in the films were eventually acquired by Debbie Reynolds and housed in her massive collection of original film costume sets and props. Many of these items were sold at a 2011 auction in Hollywood, while most of the items were sold to private collectors. Donald O'Connor's green uh, check fit as a fiddle suit, and shoes were purchased by... Custom World Incorporated and are on permanently on permanent display at the Custom World Broadway Collection Museum in Florida. <coughs> As you can see, there is a ton of information uh, that we could just go on and on regarding uh, Singing in the Rain, uh, starring Gene Kelly, uh, David O'Connor, and um sorry not david o'connor donald o'connor excuse me and debbie reynolds uh just a lot of information uh that is out there and uh if you haven't seen it or you haven't seen the movie in a while i I would encourage you to go out there and kind of refresh um seeing that and as we said at the beginning of this podcast it's just kind of a, a a play on the old um April showers will bring May flowers. So, we thought that would be kind of a neat little theme for the month of April and looking at the movie and the trivia of singing in the rain. Well, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Forgotten Hollywood. Just search for Doug Hess or Forgotten Hollywood. You can also find me on Twitter or Instagram at HessDoug14. If you listen to this podcast on iTunes or another podcast service, please subscribe, rate, and review this episode. Tune in next week for the latest episode of Forgotten Hollywood. Thank you for listening, and we will see you then. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.